We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. Joe last week did a great introduction and really challenged us to accept and acknowledge that the, the message of the gospel has this call um, requirement, I guess, of being just and being right with one another. And it can't be separated and pulled out from that. And I want to suggest that it is not possible to be right with God if we are not right with one another. It's not possible to be right with God if we are not just. And today and throughout the series, we are invited to acknowledge the image of God in every human being. And as part of establishing heaven on earth, we are invited to participate in our ever important calling of caring for the vulnerable, but also moving from that to setting things right. Doing justice requires a radical and even prophetic imagination followed by action in an effort to change systems and practices from one that harms people to one that brings blessing to everyone. So today we're going to look at Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 30. Please uh, follow that in, in your Bibles. I, I don't have any PowerPoint presentation. Um, the Word of God is our PowerPoint. And actually, all of us, we are the PowerPoint. Look to your left, look to the right, look behind, look before. Made in the image of God. That, that, that's our image today. No, nothing on the screen. See, as we interact with the story, I want to invite us to consider what the Holy Spirit might be impressing on our hearts. What might be the thing or things that he is calling us to respond individually and collectively as a community of disciples of Jesus. In this passage, we hear from Jesus in his first public sermon from his hometown in Nazareth. So from verse 14 to 22... Things are going really well. Jesus has come out from the wilderness. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He is teaching. Everyone is praising him. Everyone is speaking well of him. And they're proud of who he is. And they're proud that he's one of them. And in verse 18 and 19, he quotes scriptures from the Old Testament from Isaiah. And he says, He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Send me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. Set the oppressed free and to proclaim the ear of the Lord's favor. So in this first half of the text, Jesus affirms and honors Judaism. He affirms and honors their beliefs and their identity. They believe that he has come to set them free and they believe it is going to be all good for them. Then as with great stories, there's a twist. In verse 22, someone just had to ask the question, isn't this... Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't he one of us? And there's a clear sense of discovery happening amongst the people gathered. Surely he's talking about us. Surely he's going to rescue us. We can claim him as our own, proving that God is for us and for our people. So from verse 23, things actually go south. Jesus responds with two stories. One from prophet Elijah, he says, you know, God met this widow who's Gentile and met her needs. Second, a story from prophet Elisha where Naaman the Syrian was healed of his leprosy. Both of them Gentile foreigners, outsiders. There were other widows 
and lepers at the time who were Jews. But God chose to reach out to those who were not one amongst them. Those who were considered less than the rest. And I think he's very intentional in his response with these stories. It's an invitation from him to those in his hometown and his people to be reminded that God's grace and his power and his mercy has already been shared with those on the outside, already been shared with the foreigners, already been shared with those who did not consider themselves to be people of God. God has in the past and will continue to reach out for those for whom we may consider unfair. Unfairly reaching out to those whom are least expected to receive the blessing of God. And in this passage, he highlights the widows, the lepers, the poor, the homeless, the orphans, the captives, the blind, the foreigners, or the Gentiles. So they hear it and they think it's so unfair. So unfair that they say, let's get rid of Jesus. Let's throw Jesus off the cliff. In verse 29. They responded with fury, furious because Jesus had taken a swing at their sense of divine privilege. And he used their own scriptures to do it. So back then this text puts into view the blind, the oppressed, the prisoners, the widow, the lepers, the Gentile or foreigners. And let's throw in everyone else who was not considered to be accepted. That was then. How do we receive this text this afternoon? There are several areas of injustice, a lot of it systemic in our nation and across this world. Systems that have been designed to oppress people, and we'll cover a small sample of this across the series. But today, in light of our passage, we could take any of these, you know, immigration, housing, education, economics, employment, criminal justice, take any of these systems. And in all of them, there's a common idea held by many. Don't we need to take care of our own first? Don't we need to look after myself first before we take care of others? I know I've been there. Well, isn't this the same reason why they wanted to throw Jesus off the cliff? Suggesting that there is not enough. There is not enough grace to go around for all. There isn't enough blessings for everyone. And in Genesis, God made humans in his image and he said, Go, love each other, love God. Go and rule and subdue the earth. And how are we supposed to rule? He shows us by gardening, by cultivating and harnessing people and planet for the glory of God. Serving each other and serving the space around us to get the best out of each other for the glory of God. And he gives us a choice of how to rule. Are we going to use our authority? Are we going to use what we have for the benefit of others? Or are we going to define good and evil for ourselves and use it for our own self-advantage. Sadly, we know what happens. We reject God, man rejects God and takes control. So along with the great good that we create, we have used the same power, privilege, authority, blessings to create a lot of suffering and injustice. Self-preservation, greed, idolatry, pride, ego, ethnic identity, national identity, religious identity, and everything else takes over. And sadly, this is what even the people of God did. Instead of following their calling to be just and to be right with one another, they did the opposite. 
They created a way of life that tried to shore up their own divine sense of privilege, power, and identity. And into the midst of that, Jesus walks in. Into the midst of that man-defined world of power, entitlement, and privilege, Jesus shows up and he says, hold on a minute. This is not who our God is. This is not who I am. Let's be very clear. Jesus is not saying the lives of widows, the lepers, the poor, the oppressed, the foreigner are more important than any other life. But I think instead, I wonder if he's calling out our broken standards, calling out how we see people and how we see each other. And I think, I wonder if he's asking us to think about whether we become complicit in active or passive ways of the systems around us to oppress people to disregard the image of God in each person. The heading of this passage in the Bible is Jesus is rejected at Nazareth. People smarter than I have thought that actually that does not quite capture what's going on, and I agree with them. I think they're rejecting the idea of the inclusiveness of God, his grace, his love, his mercy, and favor for all people. It's a message that he carries it is his commitment to how he will treat people and how he lives his life. I think they're clinging on to an exclusivist agenda in the economy of God. This passage causes me to wonder if I or we fall into the same trap. Do we fall into the same line of thinking? Do I or we, along with the crowd, want to throw Jesus off the cliff? It happens when I wrestle with the idea that God's grace, love, and mercy is indeed for everyone. Really? Is it for everyone? It happens when judgment lurks in my own heart towards that person or group of people. It happens when my privileges are questioned and when I'm propagating the same divine privilege or privilege of my heritage as the Jews did. It happens when I decide it doesn't matter how I treat others, especially when I cannot see, hear, feel, know them. It happens when I don't care about the implications on people or how I use my space, how I use my money, how I save, how I invest, how I lead, how I serve, how I host, how I befriend, how I react to situations with each other. Because I do not see the image of God in the people involved. Instead, I see them as a threat to my needs, as a threat to my existence, my privilege or my entitlement. And this passage, Jesus gives a prophetic message and a missional edge to saying we are called to all people. When word became flesh in Jesus, it means no humans can be overlooked. No one is unworthy of God's grace. No one can be left in a place of oppression. We are called to care for all people and to set things right. And sadly, all of us, we have narrowed the gospel down to Jesus came to die on the cross and then be raised on the third day. And we wait for a better day, full stop. I believe this passage, however, flies in the face of that. Because according to Jesus' own words, in his first public address, he says, I was born to save, to heal, to free, and to liberate. This is Jesus' mission. And as disciples of Jesus, by default, this is our mission. Shane Claiborne says that the, power with the, that the problem with the church not doing justice is not a lack of compassion. I think there's tons of it. We all have it. 
Instead, it's the lack of proximity. How are we going to get closer? Closer to those who are different. Closer to those who look, sound, feel different. Closer to those who hurt us and cause us pain. Closer to those who are threatened by us and closer to those who we threaten. How are we going to get closer to them in spite of our own pain and suffering? As we come to a close, there is an invitation for all of us to respond, allowing Jesus' words to shape and mold our hearts, our mind, how we think. How are we going to recognize the image of God in those around us? I don't have the answers. I don't have all the answers. It's a complicated journey. But as disciples of Christ, we don't not engage with it because it's complicated. We discern with the Holy Spirit as a community and how we can respond. And there is hope. Joe shared last week that in Revelations, God gives us the reality of this heaven on earth, in the vision, a place where no people are oppressed, no suffering, no pain, no tears. All people united as one under Christ. All people united as citizens of heaven, not with the identities that we create for ourselves to fill our insecurities. So there is a response for our life, I believe, you know, a response that I hope that this vision is something we can take with us and we share with each other, share with our friends, share with our family, share with our nearest and dearest. And it ripples out for generations to come. It marks out this community as a group of people that is committed to not oppress, that is committed to looking out for those who are marginalized. I hope that we can take this vision and take it to our halls, our lecture theatres, our sports fields, art studios, the places that, you know, that you are in. And it, and it shapes how we relate with each other. And I really hope as well that we will celebrate stories and testimonies of doing justice and being right with one another. I know my story is one of them. And I, I'm sure there are, there's lots of that already here. And it'll be great to hear more of that. I was um, in a meeting with somebody on Friday and the guy said to me, you know what, if you take the Bible and remove all everything to do with people who are poor, marginalized, oppressed, migrants, there's not much of the Bible left. And it's so core of our message and so core of our God, who he is and who he interacts with. So today, this afternoon, we can, we can begin this response, and I hope there's a response that carries on for our life. You know, one, I think we need to acknowledge the earthly standards that have shaped our thinking, that have taken us away from what God has said, and we need to repent of it. And second, I think we need to ask God to give us a new vision, you know, connect us with what he shared in Revelation. Ask God to tell us where is it that he wants us to join with him in setting things right. Where is it that God, he wants to show us that we need to get alongside something or help change something in how people have been not treated as an image of God with dignity?